Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Law. With me, as always, Kid Presentable. Definitely now always in shelter. In <laughs> Actually, with me, as always, DJ Mark. What's up? Also with me, pretty much all the time, Lavender Gooms. Hey, guys. Boys and girls, do we have a show for you. If you are thinking, man... Really just need somebody to go over these fights from last week, talk about the news of the week, talk about these fights for next week, and you know what? Just talk about some bullshit at the end. We got the show for you. Um, we're going to talk about Bobby Knuckles, Darren Till, some other standouts from that card, uh, a little bit of controversy that happened um, with the uh, refereeing. Uh, we're going to talk about Gilbert Melendez getting fucked over six ways from Sunday. It might be seven by the time we're done, you know, getting through it. Um we're going to make our picks for this card this weekend between Edmund Shabazian um, and Der- Derek Brunson headlining, uh, learning this week that Ronda Rousey is also an MMA manager, apparently, as she manages Mr. Shabazian. Um, and yeah, uh, Joanne Calderwood on the card, Land of Anada, some good fights. We'll talk about that and a uh, little stuff we like. And that's it. Um, leading off, Bobby Knuckles, Darren Till, the final fight, I believe. Am I wrong? Yeah, final fight, 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 fight Island. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't sure I if this for was a little bit. I didn't know if this was Fight Island or the uh, what's it called one was going to be Fight Island. The um one next week too. Um, but uh, Bobby Knuckles, Darren Till. Um, let me uh start off saying really close fight. Um, I very much I think underestimated Darren Till's chances, Mark. Um, because I was pretty cocksure about Bobby Knuckles being you know able to handle him. While I thought Bobby Knuckles won, I came out of this fight, man, thinking Darren Till uh, 185 is a problem. Well, what'd you think? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't have, unfortunately, I didn't have like super strong takeaways from this fight because I, I really didn't think uh, Bobby Knuckles performed super well, like I, like I was hoping he would. Um, and Darren Till, I, I feel like he's had this type of fight multiple times where, honestly, like looking back on it, I'm, I didn't have a lot of takeaways of like, it was really close, man. Well. Like, it was close. It was mostly because, like, it was close in the fact that, like, neither guy had, like, super standout moments. I think Till, obviously, he came back strong in the first round and took that first round. And then Bobby changed course between, I think, two, three, and four. Because I know well, Till ended up getting another round. And I wasn't sure what round well, so that was. I, but... I know Whitaker took the second. I think it was pretty much universal, right. of course, there. I thought he took the third, but it was close. Fourth and fifth, um... Got a little hairy. Um, looking at the results here, it looks like um, the judges were a little bit all over the place on this. Uh, they were they consistently gave the second and third to, to Whitaker and the first to Till, um, and then uh, they flip flopped fourth and fifth, depending mm-hmm. on who you know you asked. So yeah, so um, I mean overall, mo- most a- of the media had it for Whitaker. Oh, actually, about fifty fifty split. It was a coin toss fight for a lot of people. Yeah, which I mean, isn't that kind of Till wasn't like Wonder Boy. That fight was close. I thought he's had a couple fights. That like you know, what, Marcus. I wasn't thinking about that. That's a fair comparison. The Wonder Boy one because at the end I was like, I think Wonder Boy won, but 
Yeah, it was definitely one of these fights where I was just like, I was hoping Bobby would get a, a, a good win here, if not a finish, you know, to, to put some substantial damage on him and to, and to make it a very clear cut win. And it really just seemed like one of those fights where it was like, it was super close. Uh, I think the numbers, you know, fight metrics was very close after the fact. And it's not like either guy took a lot of big hits. You know, there wasn't a lot of like staggered moments or anything like that. So at the end of the day, you know, um, I think what I'm learning with uh, Robert Whitaker is really the big takeaways I had on his run to the title and, uh, you know, retaining the title for so long. I think, you know, his, his accuracy with his punches, I think, is not as is not quite there when it comes like these high level strikers, because I, I saw all. Oftentimes with Darren Till, you know, he had good defense. And I think a lot of it is dude's still pretty young and has quick reflexes because he does the the Muay Thai defense, which I, as someone that's trained kickboxing, could never do. Like the dude will just like snap his back, like all the way back to miss a head kick, you know, like, and that's a very Muay Thai technique where instead of, you know, blocking a, a, a kick with your arms, which is, you know, it, his, his defense is better. To lean back and completely miss the strike instead of absorbing it on your arms or, it is a better technique, but it's tough to do. And I think Robert just had a hard time landing punches on him, much like he did with Izzy as well. Um, Steph looked like Bobby Knuckles, um, something that was effective for him early on and forced Till to kind of adjust where the leg kicks. Um, nice to see him implementing something, I guess, I'm not saying it was different. He does throw leg kicks in the past, but trying to show a well-rounded game out there against somebody like Till. Um, yeah, I don't think it was super different. That that was one of the things I was hoping to get back to. I think on his run to the title, he mixed it up really well. Mm. Um, he kind of had a similar kind of attack style to like kind of what Gaethje brought to the table, right? He, mm -hmm. he he threw combos and he was really quick with his hands. He was good at getting in and out. But like Mark said, that the accuracy's kind of dipped. Is is he slowing down a little bit? Dude had chaotic wars. Um, if you just go back to his fight with, uh, goddamn, um, Yoel, yeah, either Yoel, one. either, either one. one, that second <laughs> one in particular, like, you know, I, I talk about it. Sometimes fighters take like career altering strikes. I can't help but think that Yoel, you know, series took something out of him. Um, but like Mark said, he's, he, uh, Till is also really young. The thing I, I kind of took away from Till was, um, I think I was reading a pre-fight, uh, picks, over at Bloody Elbow, and uh, I'm blanking on his last name, but one of their guys, Mookie. Alexander. Uh, Alexander. I kept wanting to say Mookie Blaylock, and I'm like, that's the old point guard. Um, but yeah, Mookie Alexander, he he used a word for Till, and it stuck with me the whole time watching this fight. He said, Till is a low-output fighter. He's always been a low-output fighter, and it, it when it comes to winning decisions, he's going to have a tough time because he's a low-output fighter. And that's what I saw in this fight. He is really low-output. He's he's a counter striker. He doesn't really like to lead the charge. He doesn't lead with a lot of counters or a lot of singles. Like that great shot we dropped him was a really great elbow that he clipped him with on the inside. But he is this kind of one strike counter fighter. And if he doesn't get that, he's not doing a whole lot. He doesn't press a lot of the action. There's a lot of power, a lot of athleticism and talent there. But um, there's you know the dudes did this well against a reigning champion. He fought for title another thing. I mean, he's got tons of time, but part of me wants to see something in his approach adjust as he goes he forward. He doesn't have a lot of, uh, there's no real sense of urgency I've noticed with Darren Till. Like, there's a lot of fights he's, like, close fights he's in, and I'm like, I feel I would be throwing more punches or doing That's more. the thing. He, he waits. He's always yeah. waiting. He's He doesn't really lead, even though, like, when he was kind of on the come up, you saw these brutal, like, you know, knockouts and ground and pounds, so... Uh, he just hasn't been able to be assertive with the kind of once he started fighting name guys like Wonder Boy. Um, 
yeah, he's he's gotten a little bit more trigger shy. So, yeah, hopefully something can is approach and sharpen because he is conceivably still a future title contender. Uh, Mike um, came into this fight, Darren Till, with uh, ten and zero in this weight class, only one and zero in the UFC, of course. But first loss. Um, what were your what was your takeaway from him, and um, how much of Bobby's knuckles performance, Bobby Knuckles's performance, do you attribute to it looking like man, that guy just wants a win? somehow mm-hmm. yeah and you know to your point stuff about darren Hill being more of a counterfighter i mean his best round was in the first when whitaker semi just kind of rushed in you know tried bum rushing him um in the first round is when you know he got caught a little and then he adjusted after the after the first round and uh you know decided not to do that anymore uh to answer your question bob you want to come to to robert whitaker I think, you know, he changed his game plan after the first round, um, you know, and he, he needed to do to get a win. I mean, he utilizes leg kicks really well, and he picked the shots, and this is a real technical fight that, you know, Robert, in my opinion, just did enough to win in any given round, you know, right from the from the second, which he clearly won. Um, you know, when you get up to these higher levels, you're not just going to smoke guys. You don't often see in you know, number one contender fights or in championship fights where just any one person gets dominated. So I don't think the fact that Robert Whitaker um, kind of just squeaked this one out, um, I don't think that's uh, an indictment on that he's slowing down. I think that's an appraisal of just how good Darren Soto is. Fair enough. Uh, we'll see where they go from here. Um, Bobby Knuckles' first fight since losing the belt to Izzy and first win uh, since 2018. Um, look, Shogun and Little Nog, they fought two other times. They fought this time. Shogun won all the fights. Um, they got progressively worse. And there's no real breakdown to make here because neither of them are doing anything. So well, I, I do want to say I, I think that's a little um, dismissive because and it, that's how I felt going into this fight watching it. I okay. was like, here comes the old veterans. This is going to be a snooze palooza. The fight was entertaining and all their fights have been entertaining. And I forget that. And then I see an exchange like that looks like the ex- same exchange they had at like a critical countdown two decades ago. And I was like, you know what? Like these guys may be old, but they match up really well. And I thought it was an exciting fight. And going into it, Bobby, I was thinking the same thing. I was well, like, uh, this is going to be so boring. I was like, you know what? These guys have definitely slowed down. Age is showing little Nog's fucking 44 years old, but like they still threw down. And I was impressed at the end of the day. Well, uh, my, part of me is really just like comes back that I remember nothing about what happened when I watched this fight. But let me just ask you this then Shogun only one loss in his last seven fights. Somehow. He is still not 40. 38 years old. Give him the rematch. Give it what, to him. Which with Jones? Which one? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you want to give him the Jones fight? <laughs> uh, Jones needs to get a finish. Why not? Uh, I mean, no Stefan trying to get Shogun killed. Man, Mark, Shogun there, is was it? so happy in that fight. That's why I, I, I like Mark kind of. He really was. Oh, you, you oh, muted sorry. yourself. Well, uh, when you, you heard both of the guys like talk after the fight, like you could like with Lil Nog, you could tell how much fighting meant to him. And Shogun, he, you know, he's like, yeah, I'm no great, but I fought my ass off and I took a beating, and I'm happy to win. You, like, you guys are making just, me feel really bad you, now. It felt nice. It just felt <laughs> nice for the two veterans, right? It's this is why I also can't be mad. It's an appropriate match, right? You're not yeah. 
yeah. you're not sending each of these guys out against your Dominic Rays. You're not giving, letting it be a them legends, a scalp of some up and comer. You gave them to each other, right? So I like, I'm fine with this fight being what it was. I mean, it hey, man, reminded me very much of your two drunk uncles grabbing the boxing gloves and going in a corner. A little sparring. Sure. Um, I, I still think it was better than that. I think we're still being a little reductive of what I saw on Saturday, which was, you know, two guys way past their limit, which I thought man, just, would be a snoozer. And they had a good, exciting fight. So. I was begging for this rematch for years. And when they finally gave it to us, I was like, this is too late. Too late. Yeah. But like, remember how much we bring that up? Like, just do it. What are we doing? Just do it. Um, There's a lot of fights on this card, too. Um, So Verdum versus Gustafson. Just want to point out that when we were all breaking down this fight, and I think everybody took us except for Mike, right? That would be correct, Bobby. Um, Mike's real proud of himself. I do remember Mark just throwing in, like, maybe Verdum realizes he's better at jujitsu than all these people. Well, Mark, he, found, he showed us real quick, huh? Yeah, and, and, in a, and in a really fun exchange, too. Um because he basically, you know, they, they stood up for a very short amount of time. I, I, I do have to address somewhat what I consider to be somewhat of the elephant in the room. Um, I don't think Gus physically looked super great at heavyweight. He looked a little soft, which, I mean, I think we all kind of expected. I didn't expect this dude to be shredded and come in at, like, 220 or something. But I think he came in at, like, 240, right, Bob? Yeah, it wasn't a rampage situation by any means, no, but it was, it was like, rampage. we're like... Five pounds less would have been nice, Gus. But it's just, especially with, and I hate to be reductive because I look at you. If I get in the octagon and I'm jumping around, you're going to see a lot of jiggle too. Mm. But it's just also with Gustafson's fight style, he's on he's on the balls of his feet. He does move around very lightly. So you see a lot of jiggle on him. And I was just like, I, don't, I wonder how long he can maintain this type of output that he usually has at, at light heavyweight into the heavyweight division. But ultimately, we didn't get too far into that because uh, Verdum was able to get into a scramble and get his back. And really the sequence that I like, and it really just shows, you know, what they often say with grapplings, like, oh, there's levels to this. Um, Gustafson, uh, Verdum had his back. He basically tried to break the, what they call it, the seatbelt hold, where basically one, there's one underhook, one overhook, by putting the arm on the other side. And that's, honestly, that's one of the best ways to get out of that position. But for a guy like Verdum, who is so, in, like, just keyed in on jujitsu, that's also a, a transition to go for an armbar. And when you have a guy at the level of Verdum, he'll take that chance, you know. And I think a lot of guys, when you have someone's back, they're not going to transition into the armbar very likely unless they have confidence in that position to pull it off. Because you you potentially could give up back position and then end up on the bottom, which for a lot of guys is a a really stupid risk to take and is not worth the gamble. But if you're someone like Verdum that knows that position, that knows how to get that submission, it's the risk worth taking, and it paid off beautifully against Gustafson. You know, he, he tried to defend out of it, but when you have a guy that's as good as Verdum and that saw that transition was able to snatch onto it, there's not going to be a lot of guys that are going to be able to escape that, especially early in the fight. There's not a lot of sweat. Everything really came together for Verdum, and I kind of hope that he sees this and kind of understands, like, okay. Well, let's talk about it, Marcus, because, I mean, Mike, I'm going to go to you right now. Verdum's a free agent. Uh, give me a reason for him not to go to Bellator and fight Ryan Bader for the heavyweight title. Um, does any did anybody watch any of Bellator last weekend? Negative. <laughs> Negative. Does anybody know when the next Bellator card is? Negative. Does anyone know if the Zone still wants to broadcast their fights? Yes, because they did. 
Really? <laughs> that that was a late change. though. So it was All late right. in the week. <laughs> All right, so we got one out of three on very basic answers that we should have all been able to answer pretty easily if he has a choice and i guess they pay him okay verdum stays mike how old do you think verdum is he's not dominican so i'm not gonna give him like five more years to his listed age Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna go with 40 yeah verdum is 42 um you know where you go to get paid possibly more than you're worth well, that's not fair. Where are you going to get paid more than what the UFC will pay you when you're 42 years old? Mm. Where you don't give a shit who sees if you fight or not? One? Bellator. Oh. <laughs> okay? Bellator. Stefan, what do you got in the, what do you want are, to do? Are we living in the same 2020? Who's got money right now, Bobby? Who's got money to pay anyone anything right now? Let's, let's well, refer the UFC, back to actually. my original question. <laughs> you really can't pay anyone if you're not holding events. They held an event last Friday. Only one guy tested pirate positive for the virus. Do you see the Marlins? They got like 16 people with the virus, all right? Bellator had one. That's nothing, all right? Look, I'm not uh, optimistic about sports or society at large, so just enjoy retirement, Fabricio. Right whoever they, the whoever writes the largest check, Fabricio. It, it, I think what's smart is he, he, he did... He did. I mean, smart. I don't know, but he did mention like he wants to keep fighting. He wants to become a champion. I think that that road is significantly easier in Bellator because, like you said, Bobby, he could sign a contract and fight Bader his next fight. Like easy, done. He's not getting another shot. I mean, in the UFC. He said he wants to be what? a champion, not UFC what? champion. Look, You're there's right a there's me. a big, he he'll look anybody. <laughs> there's a part of being a UFC fighter that is uh, gives you that has a responsibility that doesn't exist when you're a Bellator fighter too. And I'm not just bringing this up just to be a dick, but the man had a suspension with USADA. Um, and he was gone for a while. He had to go to court to get out of it. I don't even remember how he got out of it, but that happened. Um, just saying, you go to Bellator, you know, Frank Frank Mir went there because he ate tainted kangaroo meat or something. And he tested positive for that reason. Look, Tank Frank had to take Frank at his word, I guess. All right. Just saying. You go to Bellator if you're old heavyweight. You don't have to get tested every three days. Or shit, you just go train in Brazil. Because look at Junior Dos Santos. Man's got a fucking 12-pack right now. He awesome so, shit. Woo, Junior ain't looking this good ever. Ever. Junior was heavyweight champion in the world. Had zero abs. Now he's a washed up hitch. And he got picture, eight abs. That picture is very Kung Lee-esque. Oh, Kung Lee is still the champion of having the biggest. Holy shit, you saw to look at this picture ever. Um, Yeah, I don't want Gus fighting at heavyweight. I'm just going to. I get he doesn't think he's going to fight for a belt, so fuck it. Let's get some checks, but I I don't know. Step, I mean, it's step. like if, if you don't want him at heavyweight, then I think he's his option's retirement. That's what he was contemplating before the heavyweight move. Like, I don't know. He's, he's, not going, he's not going back to light heavyweight either way is my assumption. It's yeah, either state heavyweight or it's retiring. He's got to fight some smaller heavyweights. He's got to find like Krokop side have sized heavyweights. Basically. I just, I honestly would, even with this performance not being super great, there's just more interesting matchups he could potentially have. Like he's kind of fought in everyone that I want him to fight at light heavyweight. If he's, and I think I agree with Stefan, if he's going to continue, I'd rather see him at least give heavyweight one more shot, and you know, hopefully it's someone that strikes with him. I think I think that'll match up with him a little bit better, and see how he does in that fight. But yeah, I don't see, I don't have any interest in seeing him go back to light every because I don't know who he, there's not a lot of fun, compelling. So he did fight everybody. You guys make a good point. 
Literally everybody. Give um, him Overeem. Ooh, I'm on. I don't hate that. <laughs> I, I was going to, you know, I'm just looking they at the name value guys that are probably done. It's how about, a good how about for uh, each other. How about Black Beast? Sure. I'll take it. Black, I know Black Beast got a fight, but after that, that would not be bad. See, um, heavyweight is just more interesting for him. I mean, big uh, baby, you could fight that big baby guy. That's smaller right. heavyweights as well. Like, yeah. Black um, Beast is not a smaller heavyweight. There are 75 sure. fights on this card, so we got to go a little faster. Steph, I'm going to go to you on this Carlos Barza Marina Rodriguez fight. Uh, despite that, I may let you make the case that you got jobbed here. I did get But job. also, uh, Marina Rodriguez, when <laughs> fights are standing, ooh, looks like she's something. Take down the fence, not good. But stand up? Interesting, interesting performance. From I mean, her. her her punches got snap on them, right? They got legit snap. Um, there aren't a lot of people like that. 115 pounds. She's got garbage takedown defense, but there's a good argument she won. Um, mm-hmm. There's a good yeah. argument she lost, and I think there is a good argument this fight should have been a split draw. And uh, <laughs> why? <laughs> because uh, Carla got away with not one, not but uh, not two, but two. Two illegal up kicks or knees. Um, I, I'd have to see the second one again. Um, my issue is that ref didn't even acknowledge it. There was no be careful. There was no warning. He just allowed both of them because, um, like most of Carla's striking, and do much damage. So the ref's like, that's fine. Like, you know, he kicked her while she was on the ground in the face. But it was just a slap. Whatever. I'm going to just let this fight go on. Point could have been detected because there were two of them. It was that same foul twice. Now that is an egregious foul, damaging or otherwise. But um, to the in terms of what did happen, yeah, I don't know. She does she not know how her fights go? Her takedown defense is atrocious. Granted, Carla's got a great background, but it's like the only thing this girl should be drilling yeah. because it's it's so glaring how much of a hole it is. It's like Art Jimerson versus Hoist Gracie back in the day. Like it's just at will. It's not defending. I mean, that that's obviously being very hyperbolic. She she no, it's, you know, it's can not defend. good. <laughs> she can she knows how to defend on the ground. She has the idea. You know, there's there's ideas there, but the takedown defense itself is really really not at the level it needs to be to be fighting in the UFC. And that's just so strange because of her. Like you said, Bob, her striking doesn't seem to have really high quality potential. I mean, this is her first loss. Her record was pretty good, so being a bit harsh. But in all her fights, these draws included. Why were they draws? Because her takedown defense is crazy, like novice level for the UFC. Yep, uh, Carla just keeps plugging along here. Um, fight I like her coach good. yelling at her for attempting a submission. Don't you try to end a fight? Don't you try <laughs> to do these winning sequences? You stay in control and you win the round. Carla like really oh, making yeah, an. An effort to win fights here in a way where we walk out of it going, eh, I guess you won. Um, four straight wins, but uh, by decision, majority decision, split decision, split decision. So um, her putting a stamp on one every now and then wouldn't be the worst idea, at least in the sense maybe win a decision handedly. If she wants to get another title shot, just saying. Um, Paul Craig, Marcus, man has won three fights off his back. Three triangle victories. Um for you, is he? For me, when I see Paul Craig, honestly, Mark, I just go like, "Oh, this is gonna be pretty entertaining." That's where I'm at with him. You got yeah, any more from? Yeah, I, I, I'm in the same boat, Bob. But it's definitely like I see the name and I'm like, "That sounds familiar." And it's not until I actually saw him, like in the octagon, I was like, "Oh yeah, I remember this guy. He he works off his back really well." Mm-hmm. And we saw that here. You know, he got in another triangle uh, submission, and it, it was not an easy one. Because he was getting fucking bombed on uh, while he was getting it. But, like, I really like this dude off his back. Like, he really 
it, it, it's been a long time since someone has been this effective off their back. Um, it, it reminds me a lot of a big nog back when he kind of exploded on into the pride scene. Uh, Cause it's usually a, a position that people aren't super aggressive with and he's really aggressive and, and gets the wins there. Um, looking at his record. Cause I, I saw that and I was like, man, you know, every time I remember seeing this guy, he looks really impressive. He has to be kind of in the conversation. Right. And I look back at his record and he definitely has some, some KO losses that I think have really stifled his uh, trajectory. Well, Marcus, upward. I'm, I mean, I'm looking at his record and I'm seeing 13 wins and 12 by submission. Holy shit. Like, wow, yeah, pretty insane. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, so there's definitely, you know, he still has a bit of a road ahead of him, um, but he looked great in this fight. And I think what is kind of telling is, you know, when you look on Wikipedia at his record, um, all of his UFC victories, he's getting performance of the night. And it's because he's getting these really good submissions. So it, it's interesting to have, you know, someone in the division that kind of has a different look. You know, we have a lot of guys that have heavy hands or that are wrestlers. There's not a lot of people in any of the divisions that, like, their guard is really fucking dangerous. You know, there's a lot of great jujitsu guys, but there's not guys that are like, this position is really a good position. He will pull guard to to engage in that position. And that makes him intriguing and interesting in his own right. Well, uh, Mike, you know what I realized kind of rare? I'm thinking about this with Paul Craig. Um, light heavyweight hasn't really ever been a division where you're like, this guy just exists to put on, like, good fights, really. Um, it's never really, there's not that, like, there's no Matt, there's never really been a lot of Matt Browns or Sam Stouts or, you know, Cowboy Cerrone's a little bit higher level than that. But you know what I mean? A guy where, who's just like. Well, you mean where they're just like scrappers? Yeah, you're just like, this guy's not going to be champion, but fuck it. I know this, you know, I paid my money or whatever. I'm watching this thing. This is not going to be bad. I might, I mean, everybody else, like, I mean, it's pretty much you're a title contender or you're a guy who you know, trying to get there, but your fights aren't necessarily, you know, I might, I might be missing a lot of people. Man, here. I, I'm, I mean, I'm racking my brain to think of someone at 205 that kind of fits the, as you put it, the, the Matt Brown mold. Yeah. Hmm. There's not a lot, honestly. I mean, if you guys, Steph or Mark, if you guys think of anybody, just put it out there. But this, Paul Craig reminds me of just like, it's going to be a scrap. Isn't Let's that Anthony guy... Smith? Yeah, shit. Anthony Smith is a good example. I was going to say go. Walker. That, that record, that re that record is very Matt Brownsian. You know, yeah. <laughs> you got sure. double digit but wins he, and losses. Is he discounted because he got a title shot though? Well, Matt Brown got close. Cerrone got multiple. Ah, you know, I'm just but saying. Matt Brown didn't get a title shot though. But the Cerrone, that so Cerrone did. Got a title shot. Does that discontinue him from? All right, I mean, well, I don't Cerrone know. I'm, I'm thinking like even like like Diego Sanchez at one point was like just like guys who threw down and Diego won it. You know, title shot too. Anyway, um, uh, Cowboy yeah, Oliveira, um, Peter. Does anybody so want to? I'm, I'm sorry, but just, just to go back on your point, um, Paul Craig. Uh, yeah, I mean, it would be great. Um, you know, uh, not everyone can be champion, and sometimes you just need someone who's a good time at a division. Yep, I see Paul Craig's name. I know we're gonna have a good time here, Mike. You got any thoughts on Cowboy Oliveira, Peter Sabata? Before I move on, because that looks like a fight. I don't remember anything that happened. Except I don't remember anything about it. I just know at one point in that fight. Um, I was amusing uh, with our friend Phil whether uh, Alex Oliveira was Dominican or not. Yeah, that was that was definitely part of that fight for us. Um, Mark, let's just talk about Kamzad. Uh, I can't say his last name. Yes, Chamave. Mm -hmm. Um, dude won his second fight in ten days. Um, they're trying to get him to fight on the card next weekend too. He broke the record for uh, I guess his fastest. Turnaround or fastest back-to-back mm. -back wins. God, um, I fucking hope so. 
The one on the list that I remembered was Chris Lieben because I remember Chris Lieben fought like three rounds with Aaron Simpson or something. I hope I'm, re- I'm misremembering that because that sounds bad. But Chris Lieben fought Aaron Simpson. Then two weeks later, he knocked out Vanderlei in 30 seconds. That mm-hmm. I remember. Um, but Boars here um, looks like a fucking killer. Um, this shit is terrifying, Mark. Um, he is 8-0 and only. Um, if he's going to fight in a short amount of time, I'm imagining it's not against somebody well-known here. But how quickly do we give this guy like – Someone real. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as soon as that is possible, I think he's more than proved that fact. I mean, if people didn't get to see the fight, you know, he has a very um, Habib style of fighting. And if this is like a new trend in the sport, I am all for it because wrestling and grappling has been so dominated by our collegiate, you know, U.S. Uh, wrestlers. And honestly, like that style does not translate super well into MMA for an entertaining standpoint. I think in a standpoint of getting victories, it absolutely has. And, and the proof's in the pudding. We've seen lots of NCAA champions come into the sport and be very successful. Not all of them have been super entertaining. I like this Dakistani style of wrestling where it is less about getting the double and solidifying position and winning on points in that way. And this style is more about absolutely getting in the clinch as soon as fucking possible, dragging the dude to the mat, and then riding your opponent. And I think that riding is a lot more entertaining because, one, it allows the guy on the bottom to try to escape as much as they want to. Hey, I'm going to give up the back and try that. But it is just so much more entertaining to watch as a viewer to have this dude just ride on top of him and just throw punches the whole time and have the dude give up his back and try to work to his knees just to get taken down again and just scramble. And that's what this fight was. Uh, you know, McKee was game. There was no given this dude, but it was three solid minutes of of, of, of of battering. You know, he basically got into the clinch instantly. He threw a big punch and engaged in the clinch, threw the guy to the ground, and it was probably three solid minutes of constant punching, you know, and the referee, M- McKee, the referee communicated with McKee the whole time. He needs to keep moving. You have to try to keep advancing position. And these guys let you do that. And that's why I like the Habib style. It's like he's not going to hold you down and stifle you. Yeah, try to get into half guard. Try to get into guard. Go to your back. They don't give a fuck because they're riding on top of you the whole time making you work as they as they throw punches. And, and look, the punches aren't devastating. You know, there wasn't a lot of big damage being accumulated. But when it's three solid minutes of just a dude getting punched and, and the ending sequence was basically dudes mounted, two fists just punching him constantly. It's like, you you can't let the fight go on anymore. So I if this is a new trend in the sport, which I hope it is, um, I- I'm all for it because I'll I'll watch fights like this all day, you know, because I find it really entertaining, you know, and Shout not out. to hate on the collegiate guys, but a lot of times they- they're just there to win the fight. And I get it. That's what their whole sport's about. But these guys are putting in work to finish. And I love that. This guy's teammates really got him ready. And by teammates, I mean specifically Elar Latifi, because this man trains with the sledgehammer. He knows what it's like to be a goddamn warrior like my guy Elar. Also trains with Gustafsson. Part of a good team there. All-Stars in Sweden. Doesn't get a lot of credit in general because Gus gets kind of looped in with the guys and whatever the hell the name of the so- of the San Diego team is. I've now forgotten. Um, the Alliance. Dominic. Dominic, yeah, that one, Alliance. Um, and for anyone who didn't see the fight, just a stat you can actually throw out with this one because I heard them call it on the broadcast before the finishing barrage even happened. So I don't even I can't even tell you what the final numbers was. They were like, it is presently at 57 strikes to zero. Because it was as one, it's as one side it as a not, uh, as a not fucking Masvidal instant knockout can get. Like it was just utter domination. Um, Mike, 
Um, we had a funny when looking at this guy's face, and now I've lost it. What do we say he looked like? I'm now just... If you don't uh, remember, we're going to look real dumb here. Something <laughs> Amish or something? About, Kam- I said, about Kamara? Yeah, I said he was Amish something. Uh, didn't you say he, he looked like a Amish Khabib? No. And I, I called him the pride of Pennsylvania Dutch? That might have, that was not bad. That was solid, too. We have a lot of Amish jokes going on. I realize Mike and I watch these things together, but then, like, we just kind of, like, <laughs> zone out for a moment. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it's, like, a round later. We're like, the fuck just happened? What? You don't know either? Okay. Um. Okay, the controversy that came out of this, Um. and I... The more I think about it, I'm not... I think a lot of the controversy just comes from because we have nothing to talk about. Um. Honestly. But... Uh, Herb Dean in the Francisco Trinaldo, uh, Jal or Jal Herbert, uh, Herbert fight. Um, Francisco, who showed up a clean five pounds overweight, so shout out to him. Um, and Herbert's like, well, fuck, I flew to an island for this. I guess we got to fight anyway. So that happened. Uh, Trinaldo hit him with his left hand, hit him in the kind of like the forehead. Um, Herbert went down like a sack of potatoes, and then nothing happened. Everybody kind of looked at each other. I'm not going to break down the frame by frame of what happened. Um, the announcers seemed to think it was a knockout. The clock went off the screen, but nothing happened. So then um, Ronaldo's like, I guess I got to hit this guy after like two seconds. So he starts hitting him. Paul Felder's unhappy. Dan Hardy's standing up and yelling at Herb Dean, stop the fight. Um, in the aftermath, Herb Dean, uh, wa- I watched a video where he explains why, he, you know, he's like, uh, didn't stop the fight because he was the guy was still tracking the action. His hand was up between him and the fighter. Yada. He gave his reasons, right or wrong. That was his explanation for why. Uh, Herb Dean felt it was inappropriate for Dan Hardy to be screaming stop the fight because he said the only people who should be yelling stop the fight are the other corner or the ringside physician. Um, don't know how Joe, how uh, Herb Dean polices this during a live crowd situation, quite frankly. But... I don't know, Steph. I came out of this thinking I thought it was a late stoppage, and then I heard his expense explanation. I'm like, I still think it was a late stoppage, but at least you have some sort of explanation. Um, yeah, that was really all I came out of it. I, I'm not incensed over it, but like the explanation was poor. Um, his hand went up for the reason people thought it was a knockout. Dude had that rigor mortis. He mm. stiffened. He he took the punch, and his hand was out, and his right hand was kind of like covering his face. That's the exact stance he was in as he took the punch. He went. Like, I would have. I would have liked so to see his eyes. He fell back stiff. Yeah, I would have liked to see his eyes. I'm not sure if any replay had that or not. Then again, I'm not the ref. But I mean, this thing about Dan Hardy. What do you think? Um, is it out of line? Because, like you said, we talking about they're commentators. They can yell whatever the hell they want. Like, there's no who's allowed. I, I've, how many UFC events have we been to, Bob? Did anyone ever say, hey? You're not a judge. You're not a ref. You can't yell to stop the fight. Like, that's not a thing. So, I mean, unless they were specifically told that. Uh, the, I mean, I don't the, know. The burden of proof is on that if there's something that has yeah. never existed. Um, if anything, I don't know any official who's ever admitted to making an error. Um, they always, de- everyone defends themselves. Uh, well, he he admitted to messing up the Robbie Lawler Ben Askren one. Did he? Okay, he, well, he, he's like he couldn't see Robbie's hand and. He thought that Robbie was out. That, I'm, I'm like, look, Herb has made some mistakes recently. Well, you always, you point out he's gotten more mistakes now than he used to. But this became less of a story to me, I guess, honestly, because I was just like, I don't know what to even like. 
make of it? I mean, M- M- Mike, did you have strong feelings? I know you were watching when he was when it was happening. But... In, in in real time, it looked like he was out, and maybe it has something to do with what Steph said that like the rigor mortis set in because you know I know it happened with Terry Adam when he got you know knocked Barbosa'd. Yeah, when he got Barboza, uh, <laughs> that that stiffening in the arms also happens to Askren when Masvidal, you know, need a mental oblivion as well. So it's possible that's what happened. Um, not to defend Herb Dean, but we also have the hind, you know, uh, hindsight where we're able to watch it in, uh, you know, in slow mo and and everything like that. From his vantage point, you could see how he thought. Well, the guy's hand was up. You know, it looked like he was able to defend. Um, I, I don't think it was as horrible as was necessary for you know Dan Hardy to get up and, and yell so to Herb Dean to stop the fight. Uh, Marcus, you got anything for this before we move on to Gilbert getting fucked six ways from Sundays? Uh, no, I mean, it's more or less the same. It's just, you know, it is. I think we're starting to see like where having the fighters be a commentator like maybe is like the best idea in the world. And, and that's coming from someone who... Often on this podcast is saying like, you know, these guys need plan B's and going into that field, I think is a good pivot point. It's an awesome pivot point. I'm glad that the UFC gives them the opportunity. I think a lot of times they do a great job, but there is also this thing where biases come into play. And I didn't know this beforehand, but I guess he trained, he trains with Jay. So it's like he was concerned about his friend and that's completely reasonable. And Wait, that, is that really the case? I that's that what I heard after the fact is that like he's friends with them. And they train together or something. And, and maybe that's why he was so concerned, which is completely understandable. But it's also why I like if you're going to have fighters be commentator, which I'm all for is like maybe they shouldn't be commentating on other teammates they have or close friends because it just kind of it can potentially skew the commentary and. And it's really weird to say this, but now with COVID and they're not being an audience, the referees are hearing the commentators. So if someone has bias, you know, they potentially could sway a judge. You know, I don't think I'm not saying that's what happened. I'm not saying that's something that Dan Hardy has done, but it's just a potential possibility. And I think like, let's just make this as clean as possible and just not have people that are affiliated with each other commentating. You know what I liked about this dispute, honestly, is because I'm like, these are two guys who no one's going to say they're like incompetent or don't care about their jobs or anything like that. Because a lot of these disputes we get, a lot of these times with something like this happens, you got a referee out there who doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. Or just like, wasn't it like Tan... Look, I love Tan Dan, but didn't Steph, didn't Tan Dan get some guy like knocked out basically by saying, oh, if you just keep fighting another, you know, the round's almost over. Yeah, or Steph and Struve. Yeah. He said, like, like, you're probably ahead on the scorecards, is what he told him. Is like, if you want to continue fighting, like, after taking, like, hellacious, and I mean hellacious nut shots from Big Ben Rothwell. Like, yeah, I mean, and like, I'm like, Herb is not that. This isn't like a situation like that with Herb. Herb was like, possibly late, possibly not late, depending on who you ask. Dan Hardy, um, I mean, Steph's a big Dan Hardy mark. I'm pretty much up there, too, quite frankly. We love ourselves some Dan Hardy. Um, and still waiting for that comeback, which I'm starting to think isn't going to happen, by the way. <laughs> but, at this point, but, like, you know, it's just, it was a disagreement. It would have yeah. been nice if they weren't I, yelling at each other. I think other. Mike said it best. Like, it was maybe a little bit late. It's just, it was, it did not warrant this type of, like, heated debate after. There has been more egregious. And I think when, when I think about, like, late stoppages that I get, like, upset about, it is like when a dude is getting mauled. Dude is getting Fucked up. Yeah, just, just like, look up the Mazagati highlight reel, man. Yeah, when it's like when it's like, okay, it's been two minutes of this dude just getting pounded, and like maybe he's rolling around a little bit, but it's like this dude is sustaining significant damage. Like it should have been stopped minutes ago. This was a thing like Herb obviously gets the closest look. I, I would imagine he saw the look in the guy's eyes and they weren't darting each way or rolled in the back of the head. So 
he gave him the benefit of the doubt. It was the wrong call. You know, the guy was out. Uh, 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 Francis put the the mark on it and finished that fight where you know he didn't feel like he needed it was necessary. But it was just like in the realm of all the bad calls, this one didn't really like register that highly, Uh, especially with the reaction it got. So you know it is what it is. But you know I'm not I'm not gonna cast Herb Dean as like this is like you know thing ever. The best description I give about referees is quite frankly, uh, you they all have a certain amount of uh, how much we're gonna how much rope we're gonna give them. Really. And a lot of that's based on reputation, and the reputation comes from their actions in the octagon. Herbert gets a lot of rope. It's gotten a little bit less in recent years. Um, we point out over the years some of these things have been iffy. Big John McCarthy was a guy who got a lot gets a lot of rope. Uh, Mark Goddard has a lot of rope. Other guys, no rope. Mazagati, zero rope. Yamasaki, oh, I feel as a refter fighting you have seen a long time. Barely any rope. Tan Dan, the rope's a bit of a wild card. You don't know what kind of Tan Dan you're going to get that night. So... You do have to point out when a referee makes a mistake. And I, yeah, I think we all agree, wasn't a great stoppage. But anyway, um, all right, this card, there was, there was like 20 fights on these card, people. Let's look them up. Those six, they gave out six performance bonuses. Um, nice. Which, you know, great, man, giving an extra 100 grand out, which makes you wonder. You're like, wow, their payroll for this event, also a bit higher. Makes it think there's no audience here. Makes you think they could be handing out a couple more bucks on all these events. Just putting that out there. Um, all right, Mike, put on the lawyer hat. Um, you tell me how many minutes uh, after this, this shit goes down, you start suing. All right. Gilbert Melendez was released from his UFC contract on October 12th. On October 16th, USADA showed up. Gilbert's like, I don't, I don't work for the UFC. They're like, doesn't matter. Still got to take a test. Bob Gilbert, I would not have taken this test. Let me put it out there right now. Um, Gilbert takes a test. Gilbert hasn't fought in a while, I feel, honestly, either. Uh, Gilbert pops for something. Uh, was Gilbert's like, well, I'd like to take this to arbitration because, of course, this is this is ridiculous. I, I don't work for this company. I've been released for four days now. Uh, the arbitrator's like, nah, man. USADA UFC A-plus fucking job. Mike, how quickly are you suing somebody over this? <laughs> Well, if I were Melendez's lawyer, I think the first thing I would have said was, why did you take the test in the first place? Uh-huh. And then, either way, we're still going to sue. Because yeah, this is absurd. <laughs> the only reason USADA is there is because they're under the employee of the UFC. If you're no longer under the employee of the UFC, you should have been able to tell USADA, go fuck yourselves. I don't need to take this test. And any test that comes after that, Shouldn't even be admissible. Yep, and uh, worth mentioning that uh, people are like, "Oh, well, you know, you just go fight in Bellator." The problem is the state commissions, who aren't well funded, or whatever excuse they get for being shitty. Um, if someone else is gonna drug test a guy, and it's Usada, and they have faith in Usada, Usada reports a positive test. Gilbert's gonna get a two-year suspension everywhere. But Bobby, on the other hand, if Let's say I take a video of you robbing, you know, a convenience store and send it to the police. You're not going to be able to tell the police, hey, Michael didn't have the consent to videotape me committing this crime. No, the police are going to arrest you and charge you either way because it's still evidence of you committing a violation. Yeah, this lawsuit's going to be for two years of wages is what I'm getting at. He's going to start figuring out how much money he would have made <laughs> two years of fighting. And that's how much he's suing. Honestly, um, 
So I brought up with Verdun, man. I don't know. I mean, I probably should speak, look more at the USADA website. God knows when it's been updated. Who's getting drug tested? Where are they when the drug test happened? Because I'm reading, like, I think I shared your story with you with this one fighter saying they were in Thailand for two months, didn't get drug tested once, came back to the States, got drug tested twice in 10 days. It's almost like they're like, you know, and then at the end, they'll say we fire, we like, we tested this many people, and like we tested this person this many times a quarter. It's like when you want to do your homework and like a paper's due and it's due tomorrow, but you've had a month to do it. But so you just lie about the date when you write the paper to make it seem like you've been working on this longer than you have. Um, there's a lot of My questions. God, you guys are coming with a lot of analogies right now, and I'm just like trying to track this conversation. Are you guys comparing? <laughs> well, you know what's that? Let, let, let me just go. Like... Let, let me just go with you, Steph. Uh, what do you What do you think? Gilbert got fucked. Simple as that. Uh, I mean, it's yeah. I guess I, I just don't think about it much. I don't really think about Gilbert Melendez. Like he's not relevant on my radar. You know, I don't mean that as a dig. If he wants to fight, I, are his intentions to fight? He just wants to keep it open. It's like he's just so far off my radar. I was shocked to hear his name more than anything else. Uh, when this story I, came out, I think he should go to one FC and fight Eddie, Eddie Alvarez. Personally, I think that's what they should do. I think they should run that one back. But yeah, Gil hasn't fought since July 2019, and that was his first fight in two years. So, Marcus, our boy got screwed here. Let's see. I mean, it's just something. dumb. I mean, I, yeah. it, it, let's pile one more analogy on. It's like if you get fired from Target, and then a week later, they're like, oh, yeah, can you take a drug test? It's like, I'm fired. I'm getting I'm getting high all the time now. What are you talking about? I don't have a job anymore. <laughs> and then you pop for the test. Like, well, now you can't get employed anywhere for two years. It's like, well, that's fucking bullshit. <laughs> but I mean, you know, it is what it is. And I, I, I'm kind of like also a step. Like, I have not been giving Gilbert a lot of mind share, even though I'm a big fan of his. Um, because I knew he had popped and the career hasn't gone well. I kind of just thought he just kind of rode off into the sunset. But this happened and it's shitty and you know i would hope that he can have a lawsuit and make some money that way and just maybe wash his hands of the whole thing because i mean he has other avenues of making money i assume so i think it's time for that and less of him this is just fodder stuff for connor to tell nate your whole your team's on steroids were they uh, i mean all everyone on that team is cheating so uh (laughs) but uh wasn't didn't I thought they had said they were focusing on his wife's career? Am I mistaken in that? I thought there was like an emphasis on that, her training. That, that we all kind of got that impression. I think they said that. Um, no, because she kind of didn't fight for a while because they had the you know a kid or two, I think. And then like Gil kind of winded down, and she seems like she's fighting more often. But I don't know. Bellator is putting on events once every six months. She might need a, you know, he might need a fight too. So um, nobody saw any of Bellator, huh? By the way, I didn't know it was on until you guys said it just now. I heard Josh Thompson was good on commentary. That's what I heard. So, um, Aaron Pico got a win. Aaron Pico apparently trains at Jackson's, which I thought he f- trained at AKA. So this must have been a move. Um, nice for him to get a win and not just get knocked out. He he uh, kind of goes back and forth being a mega prospect and a no name and just highlight reeling the shit out of him. Yeah, definitely cost me and Mike money that one time. Why do we bet on him, Mike? It wasn't his first loss either. I feel we like the chase, yeah. Bobby. Um. All right. Betting, um, betting on Bellator. Period. That's some degenerate move right there. That's dude, the... we were in Vegas. There was nothing else going on. Right. We had to bet on something. So yeah, we. I put it like that. It was a degenerate move. All right, guys. UFC back at the Apex in Nevada. Um. Five fight main card. Uh, headlined by Derek Brunson. Edmund Shabazian was supposed to be a fight card headlined by um. Holly Holm, I believe, and um. I forgot. Uh, Irina Aldana. That was supposed to be the fight. Um, 
not really clear uh, what happened. Um, COVID. Did someone test it? Uh, Aldana, either she did or someone in her camp did, so it's a postponed situation, yeah. Oh, no, you're right. Aldana pulled out of the fight due to testing positive. I missed that. Okay. Um, so let's hopefully get that fight because that's a, that's a good one. Um, all right. Uh, Derek Brunson, Edmund Shabazian. Derek Brunson, um, look, straight up isn't the story here. Um, Edmund Shabazian is a massive prospect in the UFC middleweight division. Um, he's 22 years old. He is 4-0 in the UFC, 5-0 if you count the contender series. He's coming through off of three straight knockouts or three straight finishes. Um, the people he's fighting are progressively better. His last wins being a submission choking out Jack Marshman in about a minute and 12, it looks like here. And then uh, he KO'd Brad Tavares in two and a half minutes, which straight up, people don't knock out Brad Tavares. Um, happens very, very infrequently. Um, Izzy Adesanya couldn't knock out Bobby, uh, couldn't knock out uh, Brad Tavares, and he had five rounds to do it. Um, Edmund's also, Ed, Edmund, Edmund is also managed by Ronda Rousey, which I guess, cool. Um, his head trainer, though, is Edmund Tarverdian, who, there's a lot of jokes there, straight up. There's a lot of head, head movement jokes. Um, he's maybe not the greatest trainer in the world. That being said, uh, he's taking on Derek Brunson here, the toughest test um, of his career. Currently ranked number... I don't know what his ranking actually is. I thought it was number eight. Um, Derek Brunson currently ranked... Oh, he is number eight. Number eight in the rankings. Um, coming off of uh, two straight wins. Laos Theodoro, Ian Hanslich. Um, betting odds for this one, Steph. Um, you put the line in the group. It's three thirty to Edmund to plus two seventy for Derek Brunson. Yeah, that line isn't a mistake. I think Edmund Shabazian's. I think this is a fight to make Edmund look good. Um, and Derek Brunson has had a few fights where we all probably remember saying Derek is fighting real wild, and this is not going to end well. And this might be one of those. I don't think it's going to take a long time either. I think it's going to inside the first round. I'm getting on that level of hype train and. That level of Derek Brunson making a mistake. Mark? <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I got Edmund. I mean, I don't even recall a lot of his fights, but, you know, Brunson is definitely a guy that, that has made some mistakes, and this guy seems to be able to capitalize. So, yeah, I got Edmund. Mike, he's number nine. He's facing number eight. You got to appreciate that matchmaking. Uh, what's your pick here? <laughs> uh, just, to make, just to make sure, um, just to double check, who's training Edmund? Uh, the, the Edmund. He's not, he's not a good trainer. That same guy, yeah. You don't need to know head movement against Derek Brunson, necessarily. Right? <laughs> it's not going to come up right now. <laughs> like, I like Derek Brunson, but like, come on, man. Um, I feel, the, kid is, the kid is smoking people. We can't complain yet. <laughs> I feel Edmund can overcome the uh, coaching of Edmund against Derek Brunson. I mean, basically, what you're asking is, is Derek Brunson Holly Holm in this equation? Stefan, is Which Derek is Brunson Holly Holm in this equation? <laughs> Maybe. Um, I'm going to be honest. I didn't know who Edmund is. I saw him in the video. I didn't recognize him. I didn't know Tarverdian had another fighter in the UFC. I didn't know Ronda was good. I know nothing about this guy, and he's main eventing a UFC card. Um, if this good thing, this is free TV. Um, uh, he may be a super prospect, so I'm just going to take everyone's word for it. I'm going to take the betting line's word for it. I have no idea who this man is. Man's been fighting on pay-per-view. 
He's been pay-per-view. Actually, I don't know if he's been on main cards. He's been on pay-per-view cards, though. <laughs> um, Clean sweep there. Uh, Co-main event of this one. Uh, Joanne Calderwood, Jennifer Maya. Uh, JoJo had a book title shot. Um, Valentina had to pull out for some reason. Um, leg injury, apparently. Thankfully, it's not COVID. Um, so, uh, fight got, uh, postponed. She's still the number one contender. Uh, Jennifer Maya, uh, she said she wants to fight, though. And they said, do you want to fight Jennifer Maya? And Jennifer Maya is terrifying. Um, and terrible at making weight. Um, but number six ranked Jennifer Maya coming off of a loss to J- Caitlin Chukasian. Joanne's like, fuck it, I'll fight her. Because Joanne's gangster like that. Uh, betting odds for this one. It is um, one of the closer, no, actually not the closest, um, minus 190 to JoJo, Jennifer Maya at a healthy plus 165. Also like to read here that Joanne Calderwood got engaged to uh, syndicate MMA head coach John Wood back in October. So mazel tov to Miss Calderwood. Um, I think she's going to win, but this is, Marcus, this is a dangerous one. Um, Jennifer Maya ain't no slouch. She shows up five pounds heavy or something like that. Weird shit happens. You have a title shot already locked down. This is a risky one, but I still think JoJo wins. Yeah, I'm also going with JoJo. Um, and I think when I first heard about this, it I think there's two ways to kind of look at it. It's either JoJo is really confident or she just wants to fight. And I, I, my first thought was like, I kind of think like, mm, maybe she doesn't have like a lot of confidence in her title shot. And it's just like, it's more important that I stay active and keep the money flow coming in than to wait for my big opportunity. So, I mean, yeah, she's risking a lot here. I, you know, I think it's, it's a matchup she can win, but it is risky. I'm going with Jojo. I think it is a, you know, it's not an easy one for her. It's not a gimme at all. Um, and hopefully she wins. Cause you know, she, she finally got her title shot, which I've, been anticipating and hoping she would get at some point you know she's corrected the ship enough to to earn this and she's you know potentially sacrificing it or risking it um so i hope it works out for her i am going with her but i think jennifer is a very live dog in this one so her last fight actually jojo was in uh was in abu dhabi they could have had her fight there that was her last fight was there um stefan uh jojo getting a win here what do you think um yeah keeping it with jojo not like super confident though i could very easily see a scenario where maya wins the grappling exchanges Jojo, she got long limbs, right? It's possible one of them gets snatched. Um, if Jojo, she just cannot start too slow. Um, that's another thing in three round fights with her is she has sometimes taken a little bit of time to find her confidence and find her range. You know, if she can really own and punish in the clinch, that'll obviously, um, you know, uh, keep Maya from wanting to take or not necessarily wanting to, but like, you know, to prevent the takedown via strikes and actually damaging her. I think that's her best avenue to win. But um, I think we all kind of see there's very much a world where Maya gets a sub here um, to get the Or Maya just pushes her against the cage for 15 boring Or, yeah, there's, like I said, the slow starting, (laughs) she gets behind on a couple rounds, and suddenly it's kind of close in that third. Um, But, yeah, I like JoJo's momentum. Um, Oddly, uh, I follow her on Instagram, so I've been very in the know with JoJo for a minute. Um, I think she just wants to fight. She's She's been training really actively for a long time, um, and I think it's the paycheck thing, too. I think she, she just wants to be active, so um, good enough reason for us, uh, you know, we get that, she has that little pipsqueak baby, like, Scottish voice when she wins and gets to talk, so hopefully uh, we all get to hear her come in loud and clear on the interview. One of the best tough moments still is when JoJo got matched up against, I forgot her name, 
but she was talking about like, oh, before the fights, I, I, she was hungry. Uh, oh no, I was hungry. She gave me some carrots, and now we're fighting. And I was like, oh no, she she hopefully doesn't want her carrots back now. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, by the way, if you have time, Jojo uh, the, uh, Ariel Hawani put a video up of uh, his little daughter, like a two three year old, interviewing Jojo. Um, really adorable shit, quite frankly. Uh, really, inter- really cute. Uh, Mike, clean sweep. What do you think here? <laughs> yeah, hopefully, the, I'm going for the sweep as well. Uh, hopefully, Calderwood trying to get an extra fight in doesn't bite her in the butt. But I have faith in her. All right, um, Vincente Vicente Luque, uh, Randy Brown. Uh, what do you got? What do we got here for the betting lot here, Steph? Uh, oddly identical to the last fight: P- minus one ninety Vicente and plus one sixty five for Randy. Uh, Randy is five and three in the UFC, or I'm sorry, six and three in the UFC. Was the second person, I believe, off of uh, Dana White's looking for the fight um, after Mickey Gall. Um, there's always been something there. How he's kind of. Uh, a lot of his fights recently have been against the other there's something there possibly group Warley Alves, Brian Barberino, Nico Price, Mickey Gall. The young guys we were like, "Oh, one of these going to be something." And then they all beat each other. Um Vicente Luque, just a violent violent man. Um kind of a momentum kind of got grinded a little bit to slow down by Stephen Thompson uh, in a hell of a fight uh back in November. It bounced back nicely by fucking up Nico Price's face. Uh, at UFC 249, um, I I don't think a lot of people are giving uh, Randy a lot of credit here. Um, I mean, the line is relatively close, but if he gets a hold of Vicente, it might be a problem. But I still I still go Luke on this because I just I like that he's out there to hurt people. <laughs> a lot of guys aren't like that. He's out there trying to hurt people. Mike, what do you think? Yeah, I think Randy is a live one in this one. Um, I wouldn't put it past him to be able to get the win here, but man, Vicente is be- he's become a really enjoyable fighter to watch over the last three, four years. Like this man goes out there just to hurt people. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's got a lot of fight of the nights, a lot of performance bonuses there. So you got you got uh, Vicente? That would be correct. Steph. Uh, keeping it with Vicente, um, using one of Mark's favorite reasons for picking. Um, his track record is just a higher quality caliber of fighter. Um, he's just at a higher level than he's at the level Randy Brown uh, attains to get to, but um, he's not there yet. So uh, only his only UFC losses. Um, well, he lost a tough finale to Michael Graves, but since then, eleven and two losses to Wonder Boy and Leon Edwards. Those are not bad people to lose to. Um, Still only 28 years old, too. Marcus, clean sweep, or you got Randy Brown? Yeah, sadly. I mean, I, th- I think Randy definitely deserves to to get a pick and not have it just be a sweep on him. But I, my reasoning is, is the same as Steph. It, it's all perception. It's, you know, uh, Vicente has established himself in this weight division as a contender, as someone that needs to be taken seriously. Um, Randy Brown is still, is still looking for that. I think a win here gives him that, gives him a lot more credibility than he's been able to garner so far. But he hasn't proven that, right? And I think you can even do some MMA math here and look at Nico Price. He beat Randy Brown. Uh, Vicente beat him. You know, so there's just 
there's a track record there that makes Visante a lot more attractive pick. Um, and, you know, I'd like to, to go on a limb and pick Randy and, you know, potentially make one, but I just don't think he's going to get it done. So, yeah, it's a sweep. Um, last one we're picking. A rematch from three years ago. Lando Venata, a man we possibly put too much hype around, taking on Bobby Green, a man we just like, man. and We like him in spite of a lot of stuff. Um, betting odds for this one, Steph. Bobby Green at minus one or plus one twenty. Sorry, to Venata's minus one forty. And a reminder of what happened in their first fight. Uh, the first time they fought, it was a split draw, with Venata getting deducted a point for an illegal knee. Um, Lando's had two UFC draws. Um, also, Lando, not his real name. His name is Landon. But if my Lando's name was Landon, I would go by Lando. Uh, Wait, Bobby Green just coming to make off. Sure, just to make sure, how do you, I, I checked Bobby Green's record. It says lost, declared, split, draw. That makes no sense to me. Where does it say lost, declared, split, draw? It says lost, declared, split, draw on MMA Junkie. Okay, well, I'm looking at Wikipedia. It was a draw, split. Oh, okay. I'm less um, confused. It was an illegal knee to the head of grounded Bobby Green. Herb Dean took a point away. Um, Lando coming off a win over Yancey Medeiros, and that was a really fun fight. Uh, Bobby Green coming off a win over Clay Guida. Don't remember what happened in that fight. Uh, I'm going Lando. I just, I don't know. He's only 28. Bobby Green's only 33. I don't know. My age isn't even an excuse here. I don't know. I'm flipping a coin here. I don't, Bobby Green's a real wild card, and Lando's fights tend to be close in general. I think he'll find a way to win here. Steph, what do you think? Uh, Lando is going to win with 30-27, 30-27, and 29-28. Um, he is higher output. Uh, Bobby Green is very low output, and I fucking love him. So I'm picking Bobby Green, even though I'm telling you how the fight is actually going to go. My official pick is Bobby Green, but it's going to be Venata winning that decision. One of my most favorite Steph, fight attendings. You can't, like, you can't like with all your other words make it seem as if you're gonna pick one way and then Mike, go Mike, the other. It's not my fault you that you stop typing. Like right it's now not my fault time. you start typing when I'm still speaking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not my fault that you do that. That you let you jump that gun. Uh, believe it or not, Bobby Green is a ride or die for me because uh, this man needs that money. But man, he he loses close. Um, Bobby Green fought on the Affliction Day of Reckoning card. Took it, took on Dan Lozon there. Remember Dan Lozon? He was a thing for a minute. Um, one of my favorite fight attending experiences, real quick, with Stefan and Mark was uh, UFC Fight Night, um, Lawler versus Matt Brown. Mostly because of the fight of Josh Thompson versus Bobby Green, because there were three people rooting for Bobby Green in the okay, in that arena. Well, not counting his family and friends in the corner. And it was us. And I'll be honest, much of my rooting for Bobby Green was because Josh Thompson is a homophobe. Um, yeah. Just Google Josh Thompson gay marriage if you want to just be confirmed about your suspicions about what he thinks. Um, you got to talk about why you don't like Josh Thompson. Why are you talking about why I but do you know like what? Bobby Green? Is Bobby Green. T.I., big things popping. Oh, yep. Puts his arms on the two security guards, starts doing the air running man. Yeah, that carry him with big things popping in the background. And I'm like, Bobby Green is my dude. And I'm all yeah. like this guy. Really close fight, by the way. 
When it's over, Bobby won the split. The crowd's not happy, but you know what? Three people in the crowd were happy. Me, Mark, and Steph. Um, Mark, who you got? Sure, would have been because you guys put money on it. No, nah, I was in San Jose. We couldn't. Well, I, I don't have the balls to bet on a Bobby Green fight. They're too stressful. Mark, who you got? Yeah, um, I'm going with Lando. I just wanted to thank Steph for stepping on that mine because someone had to pick Bobby Green. <laughs> if anyone else did, I was bound to. So, uh, but like, I just you know the first fight, you know, Lando got a draw because he he threw a legal strike. I don't think that's going to happen again. So I think it's up to Bobby to prove that he deserves to win that fight. I think it's a really tough matchup for him. So I am going with Lando. I'm just glad all of our picks weren't all sweeps. So thank you, Stefan, for taking that bullet. Yeah, you know, you guys are going to be like, oh, Lando's up. And I'm going to be like, uh-uh, Bobby's not hurt. You see that kick that he said, and it didn't hurt him. None of those strikes <laughs> that, that Lando is landing at will on Bobby hurt him. So Bobby's winning this fight because none of those punches or kicks matter. This is also Bobby Green's second fight at the Apex. He fought Clay Guida there back in June. Um, Lando, uh, first time fighting in front of no people. It really, well, it really would have been all sweeps, huh? Yeah, that was yeah, well. That was, well, twenty twenty is the year Stefan's having fun with it. I'm well, my, Mike, I ask you? We don't uh, know Mike's yet. You you hadn't asked me yet. Yeah. I'm gonna go with Lando, um, mainly because he would have won the first fight if he, you know. Hadn't gotten the point taken away. Well, what, what if what if the knee really affected Bobby Green though? Nah, I don't think so. I like I, I like to think positively, Bobby. All right, Mike's like, I'm not willing to do that kind of research right now. <laughs> we're not look. We're not googling what happened in this round. <laughs> um. All right. Uh. Other this this isn't bad though. Uh, Kevin Holland, Kevin Trevor Giles are on the card. Frankie Signs on the card. Ray Borg on the undercard. Ed, Her- Ed Herman is still fighting, guys. Ed Herman was on tough three? Yeah. Yep. Tough three. Did he win? Negative. Uh, he got yeah, a he more with Kendall Grove. And technically, he did get a contract, but he did not win that fight. People thought it was called it the grappling version of uh, Bonner Griffin. By the way, you got to appreciate the early toughs where they're like, it didn't really matter who won. You're like there because the first you didn't know that in the first season, but like second season to like the like the sixth season, you're like you probably got a job, man. That's why I like. And then uh, after that, I really like that thing where a lot of the cruiserweights came from. I think Mark and I watched together on the WWE Network. It was like the cruiserweight classic, and you guys would just have a good match, and you know what? You both get a contract, and it was very early tough. Like, oh, you impressed the boss. Like, I, the best thing about the cruiserweight classic also was like you just knew who was gonna win matches. You're like. There's no fucking way Zack Sabre Jr. signing a contract with WWE. Oh, he lost? That makes sense. Kota Bushi's not signing that contract. Oh, Kota lost? Kota also has a great story. Vince went to shake his hand, and, Vin- and Dakota said, high five. And high five, old man Vince McMahon. Anyway, I um, think that was it uh, for this week. Um, let's do stuff we like, unless I'm missing something else that happened from this card. Um, no? Okay. Uh, stuff we like. Um, I'll go first. I watched, uh, oh, I watched two-thirds of this Netflix documentary they did. Just came out called Fear City, New York City versus the Mob. Um, anybody else check this out at all? Mm, No. I don't think I have. I've been watching something on Netflix about the Mob. Maybe it's that. I don't know. It's only three episodes. Giuliani's in this in it at some point. Getting interviewed. Yeah. Um. It's about the. It's about. Yeah. You watched it. Yeah. Um. What do you think? I thought it was okay. You know, it wasn't. I, I really, crazy good. It was just. But I thought it was solid. I really enjoyed it. Um. One thing that I was reminded of. Um. While watching this, 
is um, something I had known at one point, but all of his histrionics and all the stupid shit he's done over the last 10 years, you know, made me forget it that Giuliani, for, he's an impressive guy. Like he did some great things. He was a badass prosecutor, man. When he was uh, the district attorney for the Southern mm -hmm. District, he 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 effectively shut down the mob in New York City. Like that's some impressive shit. That shit will get you elected mayor in New York. Well, that's what it did. Um, watch that. Um, other thing I enjoyed this week is uh, this is the wrestling moment. Mike didn't seem to dig this as much as I did, but uh, Eddie Kingston uh, uh, was on AEW this week. Um, AEW has a championship called the TNT Championship. It is defended each week, oftentimes defended against somebody not necessarily in the promotion yet. Um, defended against uh, the champions, Cody St Cody Rhodes. He defended it against Ricky Starks a few weeks ago. It's cool to see everybody see how good Ricky was. This coming week, he's defending it against Warhorse, all caps, which people are very excited for. Uh, this past week, though, he defended against uh, independent legend, independent wrestling legend-ish, uh, Eddie Kingston um, from Staten Island, New York. Man came out, cut a hell of a promo. Um, they had themselves a no-holds-barred match, I think was the words they used. Uh, motherfucker got powerbombed on a goddamn bed of tacks. So that was that was interesting. 38 years old, nice to see, nice to see a guy get a shot. I like this, even if he doesn't, you know, Get signed by EW, maybe he gets signed by Impact. Maybe he can, you know, if we ever, if they ever let people go to stuff ever again, he can get charged a higher rate. Um, if nothing else, he picked up a paycheck. More people saw eyes on him. Um, that was, you know, really good to see. And, uh, Young Bucks versus Blade and Butcher and the Blade was real good. Um, uh, mostly because they, I mean, part of it really got me excited was that they found the Butcher in the kitchen chopping up meat. And that's, just seemed appropriate for me. Really enjoyed that. Uh, AEW is a good show. So is NXT. Watch your wrestling on Wednesdays, folks. Don't be like Mike. Don't watch wrestling on Mondays and Fridays. Causes aggravation. I I Mike, what do you got this week? Huh? I watch AEW. Yeah, that's fair. You're, you're, you're getting, you're getting on the right like track. That, that Ed Kingston dude, you know, doesn't mean anything. <laughs> Mike just was bitter that this guy's from Staten Island and he wasn't going to give him any credit. I didn't <laughs> know he was from Staten Island until you just said that. And honestly, when you honestly, I I, I hope it was Staten Island. Makes sense now. Honestly, I'm hoping it's Staten Island because now I'm thinking, did you say Staten Island or the Bronx? Because I'm gonna feel bad now if I was wrong. Um, but yeah, that's all I got this week, Mike. What do you got? Yeah, so continuation of uh, up, up, down, down. I finished the uh, the championship tournament. That was very riveting. And at Bobby's suggestion, I started watching the uh, Battle of the Bands. Uh, very similar to the up, up brands. Down what very similar to the up up down down championships part of it i cannot start a show midway so i start i've started all the way from the beginning i'm assuming the first season he's facing breeze i don't know if he changes it up with uh with each year or if where he always faces breeze the difference is the first season he faces breeze just in the version of the game that exists in the second season he created a lot of the active roster and put it in the game. That's the difference. Both against Breeze. Um, that sounds like that's a lot of work to create all the wrestlers on the active roster. Well, he also... Um, fellow people who use emulators might relate to this. Woods' uh, save state got corrupted and lost 
and every back and the whole thing. His whole emulator wiped everything. So all the work he put in to this game last two years just went away. Middle of a live stream, which they were going to have Batista on as a guest. So, yeah, that was shitty. Guy was devastated. Yo, would <laughs> learn the lesson that I think everyone learned at some point in life. I'm amazed he hasn't learned yet, considering he looks like he's into tech shit. Always have a backup. Yep, he's got. He told me like all these people like who are fans of the show were like, "Look, I'm a prof like they're like I'm professional at this shit. Let me try to mine your data." And they couldn't get through. They're like, "It's gone." You nuked the whole thing. Um, but yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah. But besides that, um, the other thing that I'd like to say about this week is I found this show on uh, my friend's server called Motherland. It's some like women's YA like uh, show on a free form. I think that was the former uh, ABC family channel. It's basically like uh the magicians and uh harry potter where uh you know young adults they uh g go to a you know magic school you know to learn how to become wishes but the twist in this one is that it's an alternate universe where um the witches of the united states they made an accord with the united states where they wouldn't be persecuted and they would fight in the army so witches actually have a an acclaimed and esteemed spot in, um, you know, in American society and women who, uh, you know, women fight in the army as a, as witches and, uh, just ran through the whole season. I honestly don't know if I like it or not, but in times of COVID, you'll kind of just watch anything new and it was adequate enough to get me to the next episode. Maybe I shouldn't even mention this and stuff I like because as I'm talking, I'm realizing maybe I didn't like it that much, but I'm just really <laughs> Mike, I saw the – like if you have a Roku, I sometimes you see an ad on the side of the screen. And I saw the image for this and I just – you described the plot and I, want, I don't want to say I guessed all of it because that Accord shit I didn't have. But I was just like, yeah, okay. This is basically what I thought this show might be. Just looking at the title and what was going on. It sounds like a show, Mike, that – might need a budget bigger than what Freeform is providing these days. Yes, there was a there was a scene where one way the witches uh, fly is that they put like some drug on their neck or something, and the main character jumps off of a of a tree, and she does like a flip in the air where it's like, oh my god, that is so obvious. This chick is on wires. So budget not that high on this show. You're muted, Bobby. You need to have at least whatever the budget is those CW shows have. Like the superhero shows, you got to be able to get that far. Yeah, we all know all the CW shows, not even the superhero shows, they're all top-notch. <laughs> yeah, Mike lives for them. Um, that made me lose my train of thought. God damn it. You probably have uh, to go Steph to someone else for their stuff. Yeah, too. Steph, what do you got? <laughs> um, Yeah, I've been playing a ton of Ghost of Tsushima. I mean, I've been a lot of good games, as Mark said, have come out and I've just been occupying myself with the kind of big hit titles. Uh, I'm on the third act now, and I've played this game a shit ton. 
Again, still love the samurai genre. Wait, 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 did you get did you get the warrior sword? I got the warrior sword. Mark, there's a sword called the Warrior's Faith. It is blue and yellow. Ooh, yeah, go warriors. <laughs> we may, we in the game. I don't know. Is Sucker Punch in the Bay or anything? I don't I don't know where they're based out of. I think they're in Seattle, maybe. But all right, we just got some warrior fans up in Seattle. Um, but anyways, loving that game. I know Mark's been enjoying it too. Um, it's been, it's an open world game. There's not quite as much to talk about, like story beat wise, like we did with Last of Us. Um, it's just kind of a different type of conversation. Um, but I pitched a show I was into, and I've seen all the episodes that are out thus far. Um, I was pitching it to you guys in the chat. Um, if there is, I'm not into very many forms of reality TV, but if there is any form that I am, it is obstacle course competitions. I guess I don't know what to call this genre of game show. Um, it's hosted by The Rock. It's on uh, Hulu, but only the second season, uh, which is apparently currently still airing because there's a new episode coming out tonight. Um, it's called The Titan Games. And uh, I, I described to you guys, it's very, the aesthetic is very American Gladiators, kind of filmed inside this little small studio arena. Uh, hosted by The Rock, Golden Boy, is um, who's from the eSports, is one of the commentators. Um, the lady commentator... I want to say she does like college basketball for ESPN or something. I know I've seen her, but I can't re- quite remember what role I've seen her in. Is um, it Taylor? I am not sure her name off the top of my head. I, they, I, they just, I just never catch it whenever they're kind of bantering with The Rock in between uh, contestants. Um, but it's kind of American Gladiators meets uh, Steve Austin's reality show, Broken Skull Challenge. Well, Stefan, let me ask the question now then. Who's better at hosting this type of show? The People's Champ or the Rattlesnake? Uh, oh, Steve Austin, his charm where he's on his ranch and he's talking shit. No, Rock is very positive. Okay, every time we come back from the commercial break, Rock finds some child in the crowd that he gives a high five or a hug that he tells how great they are. This is a very positive, all encouragement show. Steve Austin will talk some shit. Like, man, you look terrible. Like, yeah, what are you doing here? You're getting a mud hole stomped in you. Steve Austin <laughs> has the catchphrases. It's just better. But that said. <laughs> Um, Carrie Champion is the host. I think it's what you meant. Yeah, Carrie Champion. She used to be on First Take. Is that she used to be one of the? I, I know she was from ESPN. I, I just can't. I yeah. couldn't remember. I couldn't place the context. Um, but it's very fun. So the way the show works is um, at the start of the season, there are titans of the four regions: East, uh, North, West, South, and they are handpicked by The Rock. So um, I described. There's a male and a women's division. Uh, Tyron Woodley was one of the titans selected by The Rock. Uh, women's boxer Clarissa Shields. Um, t- 12-year, I think, veteran uh, offensive lineman Joe Thomas was one of them. There was an Olympic uh, gold medalist snowboarder, Jesse Graff, who is like the most successful female Ninja Warrior competitor ever. Um, and so basically, you always get these two people who are challengers, and they compete in games, best two of three, and these physical challenges. The winner gets to challenge the titan, in a kind of a final obstacle course race. The kitsch is, unlike American Gladiators, if you defeat the Titan, you become the Titan. And so um, they do give everyone a second shot in the final episode of the region. The three losers will then compete. So uh, any Titan who got knocked off gets a chance to kind of reclaim their throne. Oh, Victor Cruz, the wide receiver, was another one, um, now that I'm remembering off the top of my head. But um, so it's kind of interesting. And just, it's always funny, fun for me seeing these obstacle shows because. You just kind of see what different types of strength are, right? You get some people who have a background in military. Somebody's a rock climber. This person's a firefighter. So it's kind of like a less violent MMA, 
in its origin where you're kind of seeing these different walks of life is their strength and endurance better than this person's strength and endurance. And I just love watching these shows. They inspire me to work out. I can't watch a race go, you know, I want to go do some pull-ups. And again, like I said, it's super positive and upbeat. The competitors cheer them each other on. No one's a sore loser. Rock is always, um, you know, like I said, he's always showing love to the kids. So, um, you know, it's something we all probably need in life. We're all probably sitting on the couch a little more than we need to be these days. So um, I love these shows. I think it's really fun. It's on Hulu. Only one season, though, um, nine episodes. But um, if you're into any of these type of game shows, I definitely think it's worth a watch. Right on. Oh, I forgot to mention this. I made Mike watch since you brought him up both. I made uh, Mike watch the Stone Cold and Rock, the beer truck thing from back in like 99. Swore <laughs> my heart, man. That was that was a classic. Um, Mark, before we go to you, I just want to put this out to the group because I don't know if we've actually brought this up ever. And if any of you have, I apologize. Should we be watching Doom Patrol? We talked about it before watch? that none of us have watched it. So we don't. Uh, yeah. Some Okay. I was going to say watch, someone needs to watch, watch Doom Patrol. So, so Doom Patrol. What do you think? Besides the lady from Orange is New Black being in there. That's the only thing I've recognized about it so far. <laughs> I didn't enjoy uh, the first two episodes. Um yeah, I didn't enjoy it. No, that's never stopped you from watching about twelve more of an episode of a show before, though, right? Exactly. Mike just recommended the season <laughs> of a show that he increasingly realized he didn't like. The fact, um, fact I, I watched an episode or two, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm good." I should tell you something because I watched. Yo, Brendan Fra- isn't Brendan Fraser in this show? Yes, he. I mean, that's a reason, right? Car driver who gets horribly mangled and I think becomes the invisible dude. I don't know. I I feel I should have watched this before I canceled HBO Max. No, he becomes a robot. Sorry. Yeah, I I should I should have watched before I canceled HBO Max because, well, now I'm not going to get HBO Max just to watch this. Um, Marcus, what do you got this week? Yeah, I'll keep it nice and short. Uh, The only real big game coming out this week that I'm kind of interested in is uh, Skater XL. This is kind of an independent take on the skate franchise that EA has kind of left dormant. And there's been a lot of fan fervor about, you know, getting another skate game like this. Um, And from what I've heard, you know, it it kind of fits that bill and and will scratch that itch. Uh, Mostly what I wanted to highlight this week is they did announce next month's uh, PS Plus games and kind of going along with Stefan's Titan games and doing these obstacle course. uh, One of the free games this month is Fall Guys Ultimate Knockout. Um, This is an indie game I kind of had my eye on. It's very much in the vein of those kind of wacky obstacle course shows where the main premise of this is that you're going to be competing against 60 other players. And it's kind of like an obstacle course meets like Gang Beast where it doesn't look like you're going to have great control of your character and everyone's kind of flopping around and pushing each other around while you're trying to uh, do these obstacle courses. So it's, you know, I don't often mention the PS plus games uh, that come out every month because a lot of times are just not really super noteworthy. And it's been a while since they've actually had a brand new game. This game was coming out on the fourth and that's when you'll be able to get it free for PlayStation plus. So I thought it was really cool um, that, you know, a game that I had my eye on that was probably going to purchase is going to be free for PlayStation plus and, it's definitely something to keep an eye out for. I guess this last weekend, um, they gave out beta keys for Twitch streamers, and I guess it did really good on Twitch. So it's being a lot of buzz, and this is the same thing they did with Rocket League. You know, Rocket League was a game that they first uh, came out on PlayStation Plus, and a lot of people got to play it and, you know, fell in love with that. So I think the same might be true for Fall Guys. And it's just yeah. fun that I had a game on my radar that's just going to be free. So 
you sent me a video of it a little bit did, ago, yeah. and I remember like I was really instantly sold because the first obstacle course they showed me was like straight out of Takeshi's Castle, where there's yeah. a boulder coming down the hill, and you gotta run your way up it while not getting hit by that boulder. Yeah, and you're grabbing other people and trying to throw them in. It, it just looks like a really fun party game. So yeah, it's something to look out for for sure. As, as someone who's always lamenting, how do we not have a modern day uh, fusion frenzy? Um, this will this is tickling that scratch more yeah. than other party games. I would say so. Yep, that's all I got this week. Play more goats. Yeah. Right on. Um, all right, boys and girls, be back next week. Um, we're gonna talk about something. Um, probably Derek Lewis versus Alexi Olenek. That's the main event. Um Chris Weidman fighting, Benil Darius, just some people. Tim Means, Nadia Kasem is uh, absurd on Did you say Weidman versus Benil Darius? No, no, Weidman's on the card, Darius is on the card. I was gonna card. say, isn't Weidman? that like middleweight, lightweight. I was like, I think my, I think Weidman's fighting at two hundred five is what I'm looking at here too. He I think. moved up yeah. already and he got knocked out, and that's why what's his name got a title fight. Uh, Reyes. Uh, yeah, that's true. He killed. It him. looked bad. Uh, real, real bad. Uh, Bruce Leroy on the card. Some fun stuff happening. We'll talk about that next week. Um, so we're gonna see uh, if Edmund Shabazian's for real. You know, see if number one, if, if you know, twenty two years old. What well, we gotta give him next. Um, before we go, just want to say uh, happy trails to one of Stefan's favorite wrestlers of recent times, going back to Japan, Miss Kairi Sane. Uh, just said goodbye to everybody on the Twitter machine um, after her last television appearance. Um, if nothing else, her, Vic, her time in American professional wrestling gave me a woman winning a championship and bringing it out in a treasure chest. Which is still one of the coolest. Tr- truly, one of the the uh, idea that WWE does not how know how to book faces. Um, Kyrie mm-hmm. Sane is the poster child of that to me. Um, that they never turned her into this massive like women's baby face like wrestler. She had mm-hmm. so much potential, and I know he's your guy, Bobby. I'm gonna say it. She's got the best elbow drop in pro wrestling. So, uh, Kyrie, I- wait, wait, e- ever? Yes, it's better than Macho's man's. Uh, okay, the only one it's not better than is the fictional Bone Saw, which is the better version of Macho Man. Look, the, the Bone Saw now is the best, but the insane I, elbow is better than basic Randy Savage elbow. Look, first of all, how dare you? Second of all, I will say it is the greatest elbow drop since the Macho Man Randy Savage. Since that, that 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 elbow drop brought five world championships to the to the Macho Man Stefan, put some respect on that elbow drop, okay? And Kyrie Sains is the one that dethroned the beast that was Shayna Baszler. So insane. Yeah. basically she yeah, she won with a roll up. What are you talking about? Not in the uh, not in down in NXT. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> she was she was really. Kyrie really wasn't great. up in the main roster very long then, right? Because Shayna has no. Been she was that she. She no, was she, chasing she, the 24-7 belt for some period of time for no reason with her periscope. Whoa. That's what she was doing yeah, for the last year. Her and uh, her and Asuka turned some chickens, you know, chicken shit into chicken salad with that tag title, that, that tag team also. But yeah, the fact that, you know what, man, one of those things that Rona took from us and on the list of things, this is near the bottom. But um, she's got a pirate gimmick. They were going to do the WrestleMania in uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Stadium, which has... A fucking pirate ship in it. And Stefan, you know she was going to drop an elbow off the pirate. Off the pirate ship. At that point, I would have conceded. Because Macho Man didn't drop any elbows. I mean, I thought she was going to win the Royal Women's Royal Rumble for that moment. I thought that's what we were... That's what all of this was leading to. Like I said, she's a very, very squandered opportunity on the main roster. 
but um, they've been yeah, very terrible at creating like, new stars. So, yeah, they don't know how to create a baby face to save their life. Um, but uh, it sounds like they're trying to pay her to be an ambassador or something in Japan, which is code for please don't sign with somebody else and then show up in AEW. Please don't show up in Impact. Please, you know what? Just don't go to New Japan. Let's just pay you to go places. Please. I mean, That's I think New Japan's doing. the only one she would do. My understanding is... Well, they have no women. She's going... Well, I get whatever they... It's My understanding yeah. is she's going home to be with her husband, who she's yeah. been isolated and away from for a very long time. So if that's a reason she's got to retire from WWE, I 100% understand. Um, and yeah, I hope she has a great married life. That's my working theory of why they gave Io Shirai the championship was there was murmurs that she wanted to go see, go back to her, her, uh, her I don't know if she, she's married to him, her significant other uh, gentleman named Evil, who's in New Japan, and Evil's the world champ over there making that world champ money. So, just saying. We've literally got off the rails here. Uh, I've already said goodbye. I was Dr. Law. That was Kid Presentable. That was Lavender Gooms, and that was DJ Mark. DJ Mark really just wants to go eat dinner. Thank you all for uh, listening. See you all next week. Peace out. See ya. Cheers. Peace.